Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? (laughs) Well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. (laughs) Well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) Merry Christmas, whenever this came out. We're doing this before all of that stuff because we're having a break for Christmas. So we are recording everything really soon. What, that we're allowed to rest? I'm tired. (laughs) I want want everybody to think we've just recorded it. Just the Wednesday before New Year's. We need a break. (laughs) It's all right. Yeah. This is like the easiest job in the world. But I've got another job that is not the easiest job in the world, as discussed on optimised crapness. Go Indeed. back and listen if you'd like to know why I'm tired. <laughs> Who Good. I'm anyway, tired what we, of. What we're going to talk about today then, let's get on with it. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, hence all yep. of the um, dis, you know, happy New Year-ing. So, right. yes, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions because I think they'd be interested, interesting to talk about in terms of psychology mm. Um the fact that you weren't allowed to do them, mm. um, what you think of, what you thought of them then, what you think of them now, and what yeah. the research says about them, I suppose. There's lots to talk about. Mm. I picked this topic because I'm very clever. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just thought, I thought it would be interesting because it's something that I have pondered with and I've not been someone to set lots of New Year's resolutions. I think as a younger person, I used to do new year's resolutions and be like i'm gonna get really fit and skinny this year yeah because it was that time that i was growing up in where um you know being skinny was still very vogue so you know and everyone it was before the sort of body pause movements um but i don't know for you you know like you left being a jw and then you were if you would like to allowed to do new year's and create resolutions should you wish to but did you um yeah i think um i think we did a little bit yeah we we generally didn't go anywhere in all honesty we'd we'd um, perhaps have a bit of a um a silly evening together um and yeah that would be it really i don't think we did a lot um as a as a jw it might be worth just um talking about the line that as a jehovah's witness we we took so i did a little bit of um research about why Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate it because you've kind of asked me that, haven't you? Why? Why is it? Yeah, they don't? like because I don't see the issue with it because it's mm. just literally a calendar thing. It's like the new the year ends, a new one starts, have a fun party for it. It's just an excuse for a party. Yeah, as so far as I a, thought, anyway, there's an awake um, of 2002, so this would have been uh, just after I'd left, actually, uh, just as a matter of interest. Um, so the the title, which is I a typical title, <laughs> typical title of an awake, should Christians share in New Year's festivities? Um, so it's whenever they pose a question like this, it's like, <laughs> yeah. should we do this? And it's always no, otherwise you're bad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's always like yeah. posed in an innocent, like, oh, is this okay? And it's always yeah, like, it's no. Right. Yeah, Satan. The answer is generally no. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the article starts with basically saying that. Actually, they they talked to a doctor in uh, in an accident, an emergency or um, emergency room, um, who sees all these injuries from people drinking too much and beating up their wives. 
Um, right. And it's, it's all because <laughs> that's not of where um, I thought you were going to go. Well, that's that's apparently the problem. That is um, what the awake does, though, isn't it? it does yeah. Then it does say, it. granted, not everyone celebrates a new year by drinking heavily and committing acts of violence, um, but it's already <laughs> said it, hasn't it? It's already been. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true to say that, of course, some people do get into trouble in on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and but... I'm sure the that the. Um, Hospitals are busy, so yes, that's absolutely true, and people need to behave themselves. But it's, um, you know, it's 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 a bit of a hammer to crack a nut, really. Mm. But the main problem with um, with it is that um, they start to look back to the the roots of it, as far as they're concerned, and for some reason they choose Babylon, which you know isn't really ancient Babylon isn't that relevant i don't think for most of us but um it was new year's was celebrated in babylon um as early as the third millennium and then it was celebrated by the romans and um it, the babylonian one was actually observed in mid-march apparently in the ancient times mid-march was actually the beginning of the year um it was rome uh the romans that changed it to january the first but um for babylon it was the time um it was the god marduk who would decide the destiny of the country for the coming year um so they would celebrate and do sacrifices and fertility rites and then caesar julius caesar moved it to the beginning of january but again um so janus is the god that january is named after and um i think it's to do with again looking backwards and looking forwards so they associate this with uh pagan and false religion you know um, again people don't celebrate new years because of that it's clearly no. nonsense um people are not celebrating marduk or janus they are celebrating that we got through another 365 days basically um here's to yeah. some new one so it's well, just one of those that jehovah's witnesses just don't celebrate i think um uh, it's, if it's low-key if you're just sitting there watching uh tv until 12 o'clock and you listen to the bongs of big ben if you're in in the uk then or if you're in the us it's Times square or whatever um i don't think anybody's going to criticize you for that but if you get into you know going out for a celebration that's where you'd You'd come a cropper, I think. So, you know, we didn't really celebrate it. When when we left, um, often because I was working, I couldn't get the time off. So um, I re- my memories of the early days of New Year was you and mum going up to Warrington mm. and me staying uh, here. So we'd, we'd, like in the early days, we were actually separate for New Year's mm. um, quite a bit. Um, well, yeah, we'd have Christmas in yeah, Christmas together, and but then... then- Afterwards, yeah. yeah um, uh, other times, I think we did go out once or twice for celebration, but didn't really do too much of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's never been a massive thing. I generally do watch um, Giles. What's his name? Jules Holland. Jules. I generally do watch Jules Holland on, on TV in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of tradition. But um, yeah, it's it's not a massive deal, but um, but yeah, I think most people most people observe it in some way. Shape I enjoy the fireworks because there's always fireworks, yes. and mm. I yeah have some some fun food, good drinks, watch the fireworks. Um, basically, it's just an excuse to do something nice, you know. So, you know, like um back when things were normal went out mm. for drinks and then watched the fireworks on in the square yeah. at nottingham and then um you know walked home slightly merry and happy like mm. it you know yeah, it's, it's just, just a bit of fun yeah, yeah an excuse to do something fun and be part of culture and part of the world mm. which is what i expect they really don't like about I think it that's it absolutely you know, you're part you of be having fun with the world yeah you're part of the wider community when you do that mm. aren't you it's not that's right um you know i'm surprised that they don't maybe in some ways that they don't do their own little party and you will go to the hall or something, but that would be creating some sort of strange celebration and be bad. So, you know, yeah, they don't want any extracurricular stuff at all, really. I mean, no. you know, they'll put up with a bit. They of the can all go um, pioneer for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you'd, um, 
there'd normally be a service. Uh, you'd normally have meeting for field service on Christmas Day and New Year's Day as a thing. New Year's Day was particularly unpopular, obviously, because uh, you didn't want to be knocking on people's doors no. after they'd had a big night. So who knocks on people's doors on Christmas? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was always a big thing, yeah. That's atrocious, no. Yeah, no, no. I remember that. I used to hate it. I, I, do you know what? I don't think we ever did it. Um, no, because it's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Well, people would always say, well, do you know what? People are generally more relaxed and they've got more time if you, you know, do it first thing in the morning and um, people are in a good mood. Uh, maybe they've had a sherry. Um, you go and annoy them on Christmas so, Day yeah. and try to spend time with their family. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I can imagine. I don't. You know what? I don't think I ever did it. It was one of those things that you, you could decide like, yourself. No, and This is and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah so but on terms of like so that's new year's but i want to speak specifically to the resolution mm. side yeah so have yeah. you ever set yourself resolution so you're like it's a new year i'd like to start it on the foot of doing this or you know um yeah i think i think i think i have yeah i do think about what's going to happen in the following year i generally coming up to January I, I like December is normally a time actually when I start thinking about what I'm going to do next year um work-wise or because I've, I've worked for myself for quite a long time now so I generally take stock of the business and think right what am I going to do next year what what's my projects um and so I generally do a bit of planning yeah. um so by the time new year actually comes along I've already got some thoughts about what I want to be doing so that's more more practical thing in terms of a personal sort of resolution um yeah i think sometimes i have but it's i don't really you know i don't feel like i have to have a new year's resolution that's not not something you never I, wrote um, down your resolution you've never done a no. vision board not not specifically for new year no I, I will do that from time to time if i want you know if there's something i want to um, change yeah. i've seen some people uh, i think it's more like um hannah witten is quite happy to do sort of New Year's resolutions and then do almost like quarterly reviews and be like, is this mm. still something I want to do? And it and having no shame or bad feelings if it's something you don't want to do anymore, like that's fine. Or um um adding new things on or being like, Oh, I achieved this already, you know, depending on what the resolution is. Um so I mean I think yeah, I think I have done resolutions before, but I've not uh I think now I'm an adult. That was a weird sound. <laughs> I think now I'm an, like a, a proper adult, you know, living um, independently and doing my own thing. They might be more useful. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't, you have more like agency and ownership over things. Because like hmm. you decide what you're doing um, when you're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when you're young and making those choices, it's like, well, you don't cook for yourself. You know, if you're like, oh, I want to go vegan or vegetarian or i want to go to the gym or whatever i don't know or i want to yeah, do this i think the problem the problem for me with new year's resolutions is is that that on the new year i mean why wait till the new year to have yeah. a have a plan and have a goal you know so for me i'm i'm very happy making goals all through the year and um you know, if it happens to be useful to do it at New Year, then mm-hmm. then great. But um, I suppose like things like health, eat, healthy eating and stuff, and um, you might think, oh, let's get Christmas out of the way and enjoy Christmas, and then uh, and then you'll have a have a bit of a, a New Year's resolution about losing some weight or getting healthier, getting fitter, cutting back on naughty things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's probably a reason why some things happen. Um, is it? Shall I talk about some of the psychology around? Yeah, so um, that's what I think we're sort of leaning yeah. into now. So, because I think, um, yeah, there's the the things that I think about is when we're talking about like the mindfulness and bullet journals and like the desire to be the best thing you can be. Mm, and I guess mm. New Year's resolutions potentially leans into that. And I wonder, yeah. is it good? Is it bad? I have my feelings and suspicions, but maybe I'll just let you lean. Well, I, I've I've done a bit of gathering of, of some information, and and it, it does cut into something that I you know spend quite a lot of time doing, which is around goal setting and and helping other people with their goals. So we can talk about that as well. But um, looking at at some of the psychology opinions around it or psychological opinions, um, there's a there's a guy called David Ropake. I'm sure that's pronounced wrong, but um, he writes in Psychology Today. 
And he talks about why we celebrate New Year. And he uh, posits that it is all about control and survival. So really, it's about, you know, our desire to um, think about the, the year ahead and think about how we can survive that year so part of it is yes we survived the last 375 days you and then right what are we going to do to survive the next 365 did i say 75 i don't know it's a strange year. so kind of taking it as reflective so being like um yeah this is what happened uh this time what would what, but if what you if you look at it better? through a, yeah if you look at it through a lens of survival because that's one of our most important drives then Mm -hmm. our actually if you think about it you know our obsession is is basically survival and things that will help us to survive so you know we obviously want to um we want we want material possessions um that comes from a desire to have things around us Mm -hmm. because that makes us feel safe Mm -hmm. resources exactly um a lot of resolutions if you think about the coming year will be around being healthier, maybe taking control of our life in in some way, mm-hmm. uh, maybe quitting smoking or reducing alcohol consumption or losing weight, and these are all things that relate to survival. Actually, so um, that's that's what he he puts it down to. I think it's perhaps a little bit simplistic, but that's that's one of the the areas he uh, thinks is really important. Um, there's a guy called Richard Wiseman that. Um, he's quite a well-known psychologist and he's got lots of stuff on YouTube. He's actually a very entertaining guy and he uses psychology to help people understand themselves. And he, he does a bit of magic tricks and stuff like that. He's a, he's a really good uh, communication with psychology, but he, he's done some research into uh, resolutions and, and his research suggests that actually a lot of people don't, you know, they fail basically to achieve their goals in their new year's resolution. I think, I think we would not be surprised by that actually. No, I'm not surprised by that. And I suppose that's why I have my uh, potential issues with them is that instead of being used as like useful tools or it ends up being like a, well, still a tool, but a stick to beat yourself with because you're like, I well, I'll come back to that. I'll come back bad. to that because yeah. that's a very important point. Um, mm-hmm. According to the research, he says that, um, or the they interviewed three thousand people um, and followed them for a year, and they found that eighty-eight percent failed to achieve the goals of their resolution, um, although fifty-two percent have been confident they would when they made them so That's half of the high people, statistic to who, how many to set a goal and only half think you're going to achieve well that's it. that's my first start thought with, isn't exactly it? Yeah. yeah um so yeah that's um that that's that data but um there's some other research that i looked up and again um, i try to use references that everybody can access so i'll i'll put links to these i wonder if there'll research. be um lines you can draw between this and the frankel stuff um in terms yeah, of um, i'm not sure he talks belief about in yourself though well believing actually, you can do something and then yeah you know what i mean well it's, it's more relevant to what we talked about and which i'm really glad we did the last one um about self-efficacy because that comes into this massively this is a this is another element of self-efficacy essentially um but there's a paper here called ringing in the new year and they this is quite an old paper but you know, a lot of psychology papers are, are quite old. Um, and this one is a bit more optimistic, actually. I think um, uh, this this research is a bit more uh, positive. Um, 77% of the participants kept their primary resolution for one week, 55% for one month, and 40% for six months. I mean, you know, obviously, the longer you go in time, the, the more difficult it is to keep keep going but what this research does which is quite interesting it compares the people that that didn't achieve their goals uh, for new year's resolutions with those that did and started to identify what were the kind of key differences which i think is a really good way of doing mm-hmm. research um so they they actually found um some factors that seem to make a difference so um two of those uh, variables did seem to make a difference 
uh, first prior to changing, successful resolvers rated themselves as more prepared to change. Uh, second, successful resolvers expressed higher levels of confidence to change. And literally, that is self-efficacy. It's in brackets. So the two things that seemed to make a difference was um, their state of mind in that they were prepared to do it. They were prepared to put the work in and they had a high level of of uh, willingness, if you like, to make mm-hmm. the change or readiness to make the change. And the second thing was this self-efficacy, which we talked about in a previous podcast. I think it'll be the last, the, the one that you've just heard, mm-hmm. um, if we get, if I get the um, the order right. But we certainly did a, a pos- podcast about that. So it's again, it's confidence. So um, those were the two things that matters. Um, what actually seemed to make no difference at all for this, which was interesting, was social support. Um, and perceived skills so Mm. social support surprised me i thought you know having people around you that were going to support and help you with your your resolution your goal i thought that would help but it didn't really in this um in this study um and skills didn't seem to make a lot of difference either so the big two factors were you know your willingness to to do it your preparedness and your your confidence in whether you actually could do it um which i think is is quite interesting um they also this research also talked about coping strategies um to help them to be able to to cope with the difficulties and again there were there was there was four coping strategies that were important to note two of which helped and two which didn't um so the two that helped were the use of self liberation uh, which is essentially willpower and stimulus control, which meant keeping things in view, you know, like having little stuff on the wall saying, you know, this mm-hmm. is what you're trying to do and you've done well with this and don't forget this is what you're doing. So that so was keep, helpful. That mm-hmm. helped. Yeah, these two things helped. Because I've thought about that before and thought I mm. should do that because I think about things that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I want to keep that in mind and then I yeah. you forget about it. So, yeah, having That's little right. sticky notes to remember that would be good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when I, uh, in a place I worked where I was a training manager, in the training centre, I um, I got the team, we all had smart goals and we put them on the wall. So we kept yeah. seeing them all the time and we, we would refer to them from time to time. I think it is a good way of, of keeping it in front of mind. Um, conversely, the things that actually were negatively related, inversely related, in other words, the more you did them, the worse you did mm-hmm. uh self-blame so criticizing yourself yeah, lecturing yeah. yourself blaming yourself um actually means you're less likely to achieve your goal well, i feel like it kind of ruins the experience doesn't it so what say if it's too? to go to the gym mm. and that week you don't go to the gym at all you yeah. might be like oh, i'm a complete failure and like yeah self like berating and being unhappy about it but then you've kind of like like sort of yeah you feel deflated yeah you took away from your willpower you make yourself feel like the experience of the gym has been a little bit worsened because now it's a punishment Mm. almost Mm. um and it's like maybe you should just be happy if you're like oh i went like um you know i managed to do all these other things i needed to do this week Mm. and i had to forego this or like well i managed to go once and that's good even though i want to go three times we'll try for three again next week that's right yeah every day is a new day (laughs) yeah yeah and and the other one that was negatively related was um uh, unrealistic um expectations really um so it was important to have uh, more than just wishful thinking you know goals so, you can believe goals you in. can believe in yeah so mm-hmm. these, these this is a lot of common sense stuff and i think we've always got to be a little bit careful with this sort of research because it is always um it's always based around surveys so people you know it's, it's dependent on how honest they are with themselves at mm-hmm. the time of making and afterwards as well as you know how honest they are with the the researcher but um the you know the things here don't seem particularly um amazing do they? No, exactly mm. um mm. i think and the other thing that uh, that relates to what we talked about before in the self-efficacy bit um was that people's experience of this affected their self-belief 
their self-confidence, their self-esteem. So remember if we, when we talked about self-efficacy, we said that one of the things that really helps is when you do it and you, you find, oh, I can do this, you know, that really works. So do it a bit, give yourself the mental reward that you've done it. Oh, yes, that was great. I know I can do this. Yes, I did it great 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 and that helps to build up confidence and then self-efficacy itself is belief that you can achieve the thing that you are capable of doing the behaviors that you need to achieve it that strengthens your ability to achieve it so it's like your classic virtuous circle essentially you are creating your own um you know um prophecy that is is going to come true if you like self-fulfilling prophecies the word i'm trying to find Mm -hmm. so um so yeah that's um that i thought was quite an interesting paper actually and that that sat quite well with with the things we've we've talked about before um and it's like sort of quite hopeful in the sense that like if you make a goal that you can believe in and yeah like when you make your goal you believe it's possible absolutely um, and and you're like realistic with the work that's required yeah um and you're willing to do that work then you know you can do it yeah so it's probably worth talking about um goal setting tools at this point isn't it um so uh, yeah you said a lot about choosing your goal so yeah so so uh in in my work i i talk a lot about smart goals um and we've talked about it i think celine in in our uh, lots of our projects that we've done can you remember what smart stands for i don't know but this is going to make lots of people go because <laughs> they're thinking of all those times where not you of course but hmm. um, other management trainers have made them do smart goals <laughs> oh, I, I definitely make my trainees do smart no goals. no i know but maybe you make them do it in a way that's fun um i don't know so smart is an acronym um if you make a goal smart Simple? no good good try no <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, smart is an acronym each letter spells yeah obviously it spells smart but it, it stands for a, a Achie- i know a is achievable but i can't a is achievable that's start. right yeah um so s stands for specific so your goal needs to be specific and again this is in all the literature as well so it's not just a management training fad it is all the literature it does make a difference um there's quite a lot of research on goals and and that you know, well, well-designed goals can make a big difference. So specific goals are goals that are really clear. So if you were to say something like, you know, next year I'm going to get fit, that would not be a specific goal because what does that actually mean? You know, what does getting fit actually mean? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that's too like vague. The top, top um, resolutions would be yeah. get fit but that there's a reason that probably fails often then because it's not yeah, very specific what does it mean no well you know my fit might not be the same as your fits you know and, and the next person's fit or even fitter you know well fitter than what and what by what metrics yeah so specific okay. goals need to be really clear and um, you need to find a way to be really specific about what it is you're trying to achieve so if it's about fitness sorry go i was gonna say oh maybe i would change that if it was me to i want to regularly exercise yes something like that would be would be good yeah um so i want to regularly exercise but even that then you say well what does regularly mean so should you set a particular amount of times do you think yeah so that that brings us yeah so that brings us to the M, really. So the M and the S help each other out. So the M is measurable. So uh, in goal setting, it's a good idea. It's important to make your goal measurable. So uh, some way of measuring it so you know when you've done it, essentially, and you know you think, what it is you're aiming for. Do you think it's a good idea to um, make your goal be that you should be definitely achieving that and you can't physically do any more, or should you make it a little bit less than what than that and hope that there's room for like extra credit so to speak <laughs> do you know what i mean so like ideal world i would exercise let's say three times uh, or uh, four times a week but i know that life isn't like that so i'd like to set well, myself a goal that i work out can, twice a week yeah can i park that because really yeah. what you're talking about there is the achievability of it and uh, we've not got to that bit yet oh, no. so I'm let's rushing. just just um just 
um, hold your horses a minute. Um, so the, I'm, the I'm in a coaching session and I'm overexcited now. <laughs> the measurable bit is how you're going to measure it. So if you, if you again, go with being fit. Um, so you could say something like, you know, I want to um, or I will be able to run uh, around the block in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or I will be uh, exercising three times a week. Um, I will have reduced my blood pressure by. Okay. I will have um, increased my, uh, you know, cadence on my average mm-hmm. cadence on my bicycle mm-hmm. uh, by or two, whatever the the measurement is. So it's really just being really clear about what it is you're you're going to aim for. Um, I mean, another goal might be you know to. Uh, to do a, a, a cycle ride, you know, like um, by such and such a day, I'm going to do the London to Cambridge charity cycle ride. Mm-hmm. Something like that could also be a goal. So that's very, very uh, specific about what you're going to do. And, uh, you you know, you can measure it. You know, if you've done it or not, you've got your certificate on the wall, you haven't got your certificate on the wall. Um, so those those are the, the things to think about with measurement. And measuring is, a, is an important one. It's not just the unit of measure, but also how are you going to measure it. So um, you've got to think about that. Uh, the A stands for achievable. So this is what you were talking about. You know, should you have um, stretch goals or should you make goals that are easy? Um, so do you want to just sort of pose that question again? Yeah. So, um, do you, you think that um, you should make your goals that you have to like to achieve them? You need to achieve them dead on, or that you make them, you know, not exactly what you want to be, but better than what you're currently doing. If you know what I mean. So, in an ideal world, I'd work out uh, three to four times a week, but I'll set the goal at twice so that yeah. I have room for overachieving um rather than underachieving let's say Hmm. yeah so achievability a good way of doing this is to give it a score between one and ten so a good way to do it is to say right how achievable do i think this goal is on a scale of one to ten where one is um you're never gonna you know very very difficult and ten is dead easy you know it's an absolute you know dead cert yeah so you you really want to you want to calibrate it so you're you're doing it it's it's you know hard enough to make it like important or useful goal. yeah worth setting a goal um, but not too difficult so that you don't think you can and, and this is always going to be a subjective thing um because you you know you're always going to have to make a judgment especially if it's something that's about your motivation and your effort and so on these are not you know these are not tangible things these are subjective things um so I normally say if you know if your goal is I don't know a five or less, then that suggests that you don't think you're likely to achieve it. So, you're like so it try safe. to calibrate it so your goal is between six and ten, mm-hmm. um, probably between six and nine actually, because if it's a ten, then it's perhaps a bit too um, difficult. You're never likely to do it. So you know get get the calibration right and uh it's just an exercise for you to think realistically about it um so give it a score um i would say like if you think that if you think that you'd really like to go four times a week to to the gym but realistically you think that's that's going to be quite difficult then that pulls your score down doesn't it your achievability Mm -hmm. score has got to take account of that so maybe in order to notch that up a little bit, you'd say, right, okay, well, let's say three times a week then. Okay. Or, you know, you can you can get a bit innovative about this. Instead of saying three times a week, you could say uh, four times in nine days. Mm. Why does it have to be a week? You know, you can That's calibrate true. it how you want. So you it's say at least like if you say that on average is four weeks in a month, you yeah. say like, two two weeks out of the month i'd like to do four and and otherwise three yeah exactly so you you know you can keep a calendar i mean it's always good to try and keep it simple but um but yeah you can you can do what you want it's your goal um so so yeah that's that's one of the that's one of the the things to think about how achievable is it if you set your goal too difficult of course that's going to make it 
less likely to be achievable. And also it has an effect on your self-efficacy because you start to doubt that you can do it. Don't forget that self-efficacy is so important. If you don't think it's possible, if you doubt it's possible, then that that makes it is that self-fulfilling prophecy. So have it that it is achievable. Um, the other thing to do with achievability is to think about uh, another of the letters, which we'll come to in a moment. Um, but we'll come back to that actually. So that's the A. Now the R is stands for. Now you get differences of opinion here on uh, quite a lot of websites. You'll see that the R stands for realistic. But I always say that that's a bit of a waste, really, because you've already said that the goal is achievable, or you've already analysed how achievable the goal is. So actually, if you're now looking at how realistic it is, for me, that's like too similar. It's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? So let's use the R for something else. And uh, when I was trained in this, they, they talked about goals being relevant, which I think is actually a better option what are you putting this goal for what's the purpose exactly exactly yeah because if your relevance is low and again you can give this a score of one to ten if you want to if your score is quite low for relevance you know so how much do you really want to do this thing and why do you want to do it and if there's anything that makes the difference it is that you know often yeah because i think in relevance we use carry on with our fitness um, example yeah i think if the relevance is because um, I want to feel better and or I want to be stronger. So that's the reason that personally I want to actually go to the gym. I want to get stronger and be physically fit in that sense. Yeah. Like, um, but if the relevance was um, because I want to look good or like I want people to look at me and think, oh, she looks nice, that relevance for me um, is not going to be enough um, for me because, you know, that there's too much uh, other psychology going on there. <laughs> Well, it's really, in a way, it's it's just entirely down to what motivates you. So um, my next question would be, then, why do you want to get fit and stronger? What What is it about getting stronger mm-hmm. that really motivates you? Because I can, uh, that's more tangible and, um, like, uh, I guess, like, fun. It's more fun. What's more fun? Um, to get, like, you know, to... to I guess get better at a skill like getting stronger rather than aesthetically getting more okay so what what would you do with that strength that you're gonna get well I'll be able to lift things at work easier that would be nice (laughs) get up those stairs faster I live on the top floor um (laughs) you know um yeah and hopefully I'll be um you know in in just just in just be fit I think it would just be fun to be like I'm 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 in shape. This is what in shape sort feels of like. living in your own body, feeling yeah, feeling um, good in it, feeling healthy, and enjoying mm-hmm. that feeling of of you know being able to yeah. run around and play badminton and uh, do all those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I mean, if that's what matters to you, then that is you know the the thing. For another person, though, it might really you know how it looks might be really really important, and that's yeah. not a problem. If that's what motivates you, that's it. You know, so just be honest about it. I would say, yeah, yeah. you know, if if it is to get into that wedding dress, if it is to get into that bikini if it is to you know look good in budgie smugglers um (laughs) then um that's absolutely fine isn't it if that's if that's going to help you to to get to where you want to get to then you know that's absolutely cool be honest i guess be honest with yourself it is your own goal um and then that that's the relevance then so one of the things i i generally in my courses i generally say you know when are most goals set Obviously, we're not doing that in the context of a, of a New Year's mm-hmm. themed podcast. Um, and most people, you know, eventually get it. Oh, yeah, New Year's Eve. That's right. Um, and I normally say, you know, you, that's when most goals are set. You've got a pint in one hand and a packet of peanuts in the other hand. You know, but this time next year, I'm going to be fit, you know. And, and the question is, why do you want to do that? Is it just because you think you ought to? Because um, if it is just that you think you ought to, you might not... Um, uh, you might not care enough. It might given not be that it's got to be willpower based. I think it's yeah. going to have to give a shit. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it can be negative motivation. You know, so one of the biggest reasons why people get healthy is because they've had a diagnosis of a heart 
murmur mm. or you know diabetes or something like that and that is a big motivator so sometimes those what we might describe as negative motivators well, like can be very smoking. very powerful exactly you yeah. generally don't quit smoking because you think it's you know there's, there's quite obvious reasons for that so exactly yeah so you know i don't think we should ignore the power of the negative um motivator um as so that's as, um, like I guess fueling for a good thing. Absolutely, well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the T therefore stands for time bound. So have a time by which you want to have achieved it. Should they always be for the whole year? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the end of podcast. <laughs> why? Why? Why would that be? Um, so no. In in your New Year's resolution, you know, you you can set a time by when you're going to achieve that thing. So and then you could do um, anything. It doesn't have to right, be the exactly. New Year exactly um so if it's about um getting fit then let's put all that together so i generally say you should start a smart goal if you want to write it in a sentence you can start it with the word by because that straight away nails your time bit so Mm -hmm. by such and such a date i will have Mm -hmm. and then say specifically what you're going to have achieved and how you're going to measure it because you will have done if it's achievable that will have helped you with your time because obviously if it is about getting fit like the body can only physically do that in a certain amount of time so you've worked it all out basically yeah so yeah i mean when you're thinking about this smart goal you you sort of you don't have to do it in in the order that i've just Mm. gone through it um in fact when you write a smart goal as i said you start with the time bit so by by i don't know uh, may uh the first I will have reduced my body mass index by X or two Y um, as measured. Getting those muscles on. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, you know. And uh, but mm-hmm. as measured by, and then you've yeah. got to think how you're going to measure it. So as be- measured by my uh, bathroom scales or yeah. by whatever. I'll be able to do the bleep test by blah blah blah. Exactly, exactly. That's mm-hmm. another good one. Yeah, that's a measurable thing, isn't it? You'll know if you've done it or not. You'll know whether you can do it or not. Um, so yeah, that's goal setting, and and uh, it does seem to make a difference. Um, the the research that I mentioned that the big players in in this sort of research are, are called Locke and Latham. They've been talking about goals for a long time. Yeah. Um, now in their research, they didn't research smart specifically. Not in this this uh, particular one I'm looking at, but they they did identify. You have to remember this is in the workplace, so you have to be slightly careful. Um, But they identified that specific and difficult goals increased motivation by quite a bit. Um, So, and performance actually by quite a bit. So they've done some research into giving people specific and difficult goals. So that means that your achievability level, you know, that actually that's quite challenging. Mm-hmm. but it is still within the bounds of possibility um yeah. so one of the things that i always encourage people to do is not to create goals that are unachievable even though they might think well you know if i if i have an unachievable goal then at least i'll get so far but people tend to psychologically get um disheartened and demotivated by goals that are just not possible um so they they then stop putting the effort in that's required in order to uh, to achieve them um, so goals, smart goal setting is is big. You know, it's everywhere. If you uh, if you have kids, your kids may well be learning smart goal setting at school. So mm. it's a really good thing to have in mind. It's great for kids to have goals. Um, it's good for us adults to have goals, but they don't have to be on the new year. Um, no, but, you, know. you helped me when when I was doing my A levels. Do some smart goals. We created some charts because. Um, <laughs> Well, it just helps to write things down, doesn't mm. it? You get overwhelmed by everything just sitting in your head. Um, yeah. We've talked about my joy for the calendar before. I think it comes from this same place of brain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like have it all like written down, put out there, so you know what you're doing. Because like, it's not, I think it's easy to sort of float through, um, you know, just from one bit to the next, because life does dictate a lot to you. But if you want to actively change something, it requires a bit of time and yeah, setting it aside and yeah, maybe writing it down. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think, I mean, I think that is helpful. Now um, the Richard Wiseman website, I'll put this on the, uh, on the show notes. 
Now, he his research suggests that there is a, a, a gender difference between what helps men and women. Um, now, I, I'd like a bit more evidence for this, but um, anyway, this is... Interesting to discuss, that we don't hmm. have to just believe it blindly. Absolutely. So, according to his research, um, and again, with all of these gender differences, we wouldn't say that you know all men are like this and all women are like this, but what you'd be looking at is a... Um, you know, a slight variation between, or a significant variation between genders. Um, but for men, he suggests smart goals. Um, foolishly, he has the R as realistic. Bad Richard. Um, but um, anyway, that's uh, that. That's something that maybe men might be more into. I don't know why that might be the case. This is why I'm a bit skeptical. But anyway, that's what he says. And also, carrot not stick. So focusing on the positive side rather than the negative now that cuts across i think actually what a lot of um evidence suggests that you know negative motivators can be very very powerful um they have negative sides to them as well though Um, i suppose it's like you know if you're doing it because yeah you've had a heart attack and now you need to get fit it's still though but you can still focus on the positive and yes it's like yeah you know oh if i do this i will um, live a, a happier healthier life Absolutely. not just if i do this i won't die which is so that's one of the other yeah. things i will say with smart goals is make your smart goal a in the positive mm-hmm. so um i always put a little plus at the end of smart so i call it smart plus um mm-hmm. standing for positive so say by such and such a day i will have achieved x as opposed to by such and such a day i will have avoided y um so that, so that i think it is it is definitely better to have a positively framed goal, but sometimes the motivation for it might be to avoid something, but you would frame it in the positive like you've just described. Um, For women, um, going public might actually be helpful, according to Richard Wiseman. So this cuts across a little bit that other research that we talked about, social help. Mm. I don't know what the makeup of the the participants was in that um, study, so maybe that had something to do with it. But um, according to his research, um, being public about so telling people what your resolutions are, um, having it you know clear to friends and family that this is what you're doing, uh, might be helpful. I think that is helpful personally. Um, he suggests that women might uh, find that more yeah. helpful. I mean, I might I, I might argue with no research, just as like an anecdotal. Sure. It might just. That might just be because um, women tend to have uh, more social yeah. networks than men, and that's not because women uh, will benefit more from it, but just they have the opportunity mm. and the trust to do it more with their social network, whereas men have less, um, or at least when they're older, post school age, have less social network and um, a you know we've talked about male loneliness before so like they maybe have less opportunity to do that therefore but yeah but you you also might i mean that's a kind of functional reason but you also might say that the very reason why women have may tend to have uh wider social networks might suggest something important there as well Mm -hmm. so it might be that you know um friends and uh the way that that friends think about them and so on means more um, than it does necessarily to to men. I always find it very uncomfortable talking in these, these terms because I, I just feel. Um, you don't know how much of that's been like societally, yeah, enforced as well, do you? Well, that's right. In that, terms of that... women being, um, mm. you know, uh, patrolled more historically, so yeah. maybe therefore, you know, that's right. Saying and you don't do want to perpetuate yeah. stereotypes, but it, I mean, it could be that those you can't deny the existence of them however you know no, so exactly. it, it could be socially um created within mm-hmm. the, the the genders um doesn't mean it's not there no um, no exactly yeah. But, yeah. i just yeah that's what i'm saying it might be there because yeah typically women have been more paroled therefore mm-hmm. um if you say something out loud you feel more uh inclined to follow through because you feel more like viewed potentially but that is completely uh pulled out of wherever do you know what i mean yeah uh, absolutely and the, the one uh, the other one that that um he talks about for women to think about is is uh, 
not giving up when you have a bit of a well it, it actually describes it as be persistent but when you look at the description mm-hmm. it's more about um, not giving up when you have a bit of a relapse you know mm-hmm. so if if you're on a diet and you're trying to be fit and one evening you um, you know you, you decide to <laughs> to have eat a, a pizza and yeah. then have a cream cake you know okay you know okay that that wasn't great but there's no point in giving up and say right that's it now I can't, there's no no point in carrying yeah. on you know to be fair i think this applies to like you said it, it, i think so i think it's very both of these sets of things are very applicable to both because i i don't see this as being one or the other in that I, you know i've got i know lots of stories from both sides yeah. regardless and that's definitely true i know people have said they like yeah have a big blowout and they're like oh it's over now i've wasted it's done it's that's over right no don't do that it's not it doesn't have no to be. exactly so i think that's that's useful um mm. the, the the other thing that comes out a lot in the the research and in just common sense i guess as well is is to uh do uh have small wins you know so we we talked about self-efficacy last time and a lot of that is about that enacting it yourself and having those small wins and say yes you know i can do that and then maybe getting a bit of um, good feedback from somebody saying yeah great job you know so if you lose yeah. if you if you do i don't know if, um instead of having one big goal that you know mm. I'm, I'm going to do this for the entire year I'm, yeah I said, or i'm going to cycle from john o'groats to land's end you know which i am thinking about doing but that's a really big goal maybe what i need to do first is you know i'm going to cycle from my home to well we did this when we did our cycle to holland um we started so, you know, with stanford we, we, we started london, with stanford then yeah. we went to london you know and um then so on so yeah. you're each time you do that you're building up your confidence and you're increasing mm-hmm. your self-efficacy and also you're learning along the way mm. what works and what perhaps doesn't work so well so don't try and do too much at once chunk it down into more man- manageable chunks um and yeah the advice does tend to be try to do one thing at a time sometimes i'm i'd like to discuss that in more it? yeah, yeah. So sometimes some, some rely on other things like don't trying we? to change a lifestyle if you're like yeah i want to live a healthier lifestyle yeah. well, how do you chunk that and decide what's more mm. important if it's like oh, i want to exercise and i'd also like to change my eating habits and i'd like to um because mm. i think i'm guilty of doing too much i think that's the thing is that i will sit down and write a list of life and i'm like i'm going to read more and i'm going to do more <laughs> stuff with my hands like knitting and i'm also going to exercise three times yeah. a week i'm going mm. to eat salads all the time but it's like yeah that's they're not related are they so you need to you need to pick one well because i'm like the goal is in my head i'm like the goal is to become ultimate being that i wish to be and then i list all the things that will make me this ultimate version of myself and it's like all right so one one way of thinking about that is to have dream goals so that's that's a different type of goal so smart goals are are the practical goals that you know if you make it smart you're more likely to to do it and to have it achieved um a dream goal though is is something that is much less uh concrete you know so you that's where you can allow yourself to imagine yourself Mm. as this goddess you know that has everything Mm. together and you know uh, well fine that that gives you energy time Yeah. yeah that can give you a bit of energy but then when it comes down to right knuckling down how am i going to do this um do one thing at a time so yes you've still got this this um, dream goal that you might have so people you know want to be famous or they want to be a great actor or they want to be a musician you know or they want to be a great sports person well um that's fine that's your dream you know but in order to achieve your dream you're going to have to do some sort of more uh, mundane stuff and i suppose that's another thing to think about is to have a dream but also have your goals around process rather than the end result so a cliche in sport is always you know when when a sports team if it's a team sport and they're in a league so football or soccer or whatever it is you often hear managers asked you know so um, do you think you could win the league you know and they always say taking it one match at a time one match at a time (laughs) and of course it is a cliche but the reason they do that is because it's too big otherwise Mm. so focus on something one foot in front of the other exactly 
Yeah, which um, reminds me of, of a book I read by Ranulph Fiennes, who's a great British explorer. He's done like Walked Across the Poles. He's done Everest uh, at least once, I think. Um, so he's kind of he's a heroic figure in in uh, adventuring and so on. But um, he talked about when you're in the Arctic and you're you're literally freezing to death. The only thing you can think about it's like a complete whiteout. You can't see anything. It's just all white. The only thing you can think about your goal is to literally your next step. Put your next foot in front of the other and that is literally the goal so you do that goal achieved what's your next goal to put the next foot in front of the other one and that is literally how they how he did it because um, if he starts thinking about you know how warm it's going to be when he gets to the the base camp or whatever it's yeah he's he's dead um so i think that that was that was quite an interesting insight into yeah. into that as well well I hope this has been useful in terms of, you know, you may have left a high control group or um, high control situation and never been allowed the freedom to set yourself goals before um, or like, you know, the opportunity to. So I or hope set it's... your own goals. I think you're, you're, you're yeah. encouraged to set goals, but spiritual goals. You know, yeah. we often got talked um, talked to about have some spiritual goals for yourself. You know, how many times can you pioneer in a year? Mm-hmm. How many times can you um, do some uh, witnessing, uh, street witnessing or, or incidental witnessing, they used to call it, when you're informally talking to somebody, you know. How many return visits can you make? You know, yeah. how many hours so can you dedicate? <laughs> <laughs> but it was and, all it was all about yeah. stuff for the group, wasn't it? But um, yeah, having goals for yourself not encouraged at all. So I hope that this can be useful in that sense. Even you don't have to necessarily use these frameworks, but just to um, say that goals can be good. Um, New Year's resolutions, uh, though, I started off the conversation a bit trepidatious about it. Can be good um and you know you you can achieve them <laughs> i think so i think the, the other thing that um i forget where i read it now in in my research into this but um which i think is very good advice is, is don't leave your new year's re- resolution until new year's eve you know if, yeah, if you are literally early. with or that pint wait, in your hand and that's the yeah. time you think about it well a bit late then really it can be later like we said they of don't course. have to be on the new year's eve if you're not for yeah. something yet then yeah wait so I've I've been thinking about um what my goals are for next year and and I you know I'm starting to get excited about what I want to achieve already but I'm not not ready yet to make it into a smart goal so um yeah it takes a bit of time I think to really mull through what yeah. um what you want to achieve don't rush yourself mm. but do it for yourself exactly that's what yeah. I would say yeah Cool. Well, I'm I'm quite excited now for New Year. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've I've actually got a, a tweet of the week. Have we got time? Well, I guess we can make time for a tweet of the week, the last one of the year. Cool. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. So the tweet of the week I wanted to talk about was it was a, a tweet that somebody called Auntie Taylor um, put on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know Auntie Taylor, um, but they the question was, is there any difference between religion and a cult? Um, which is a question that just happens to get asked a lot. <laughs> and there are a lot of, lots of people who would say there is no difference. And sometimes that's said in a way to undermine the idea of cults. Hey, what is a cult anyway? You know, it's only like a religion that's new. Um, and sometimes it's, it's used to criticize religion. You know, religions are all cults. So either way, it kind of, it, it means that, um, the two are getting smushed together. And uh, there was quite a lot of reaction from some of the people that I'm connected to, which is why I spotted it. So Daniel O'Brien, who 
it's somebody that we should get on the podcast actually he's, he's uh, i think he either has his own podcast or he, he talks about uh his exits he's an xjw i think but he says yes it's a spectrum thing but if there's no legitimate reason to leave from the point of view of the group then it's a cult in other words if the cult won't let you leave or they think you know they're trying to stop you then then it's a cult um mm-hmm. if leaving means being shunned by everyone who is your friend for even fam or even family in the group then it's a cult um and mighty mouse jill uh jill adams uh a uh, guest, former guest on this show, says, "Surely that's like saying, oh right, so, sorry." She replies to somebody who said, "So is Islam a cult then?" And uh, Jill says, "Surely that's like saying is Christianity a cult? It's too broad and too many denominations." I've known very moderate practicing Muslims, and I know a girl whose father said he'd disown her if she removed her hijab. I don't know enough about the sex and denominations to distinguish. So there was a lot of uh, discussion around it, and I thought it'd be be useful to just sort of uh, address the question. Maybe it is one for a, a full episode, well, but I think we have kind of done these questions. We've done it in different ways, in that mm-hmm. we have used different models in order to discuss what is a cult. So we've used obviously the bite model in previous yeah. episodes. We've used. Um, Daniel Alich's model before bounded choice um, exactly bounded choice I think um, we've not uh, used um, the uh, terror and um, what is yeah it that's called? not so much of a model really um, Alex uh, it's it's that's more of a theory I think yes uh, but you know what I mean in mm. terms of we could definitely use it as another way mm. of discussing yeah um a cult and qu- quant- potentially quantifying a cult yeah. in, in and you've those got, terms you've got Robert J Lifton's eight mm-hmm. um elements that we said we were going to look at didn't we yeah so i think there's different ways of mm. doing it but i think the ultimate thing is that we always just we always say is that um we need more cult research and more people in that field i suppose just because each one needs putting under a microscope and I, yeah i think yeah to say is religion a cult is so broad um, yeah i think um i think where it where it stems from is is often uh, as i said you know you might have atheists so I, I understand the um the mentality in some respects but it's um it, it's it, actually what happens is it's diluting the really bad practices and the organizations yeah, and it that takes away from people's really experiences yeah exactly so I think um, it. I think instead of it, I think they think that they're doing a good thing when they say that yeah. sometimes, but it it makes people's experience feel a bit invalidated potentially, and that's what people it does. Don't and think. it it means it's impossible to sort of do anything about the really dangerous ones, yeah. really, in some respects, or it makes it more difficult because it's it it plays into that actual fear that I've talked about before, which is you know, first they came for the cults and then they came for us. Um, So that's what worries, uh, I think, a lot of governments uh, of of clamping down on on damaging groups. Mm -hmm. For me, the big factor is the the levels of coercion and control that are associated with cults. So, you know, if you happen to belong to a a religion, sure, your, your parents might be really upset if you leave it, but they're very unlikely to completely disown you and stop talking to you because you're no longer going to church. Um, now, you know, that might happen in some churches. And it might in which happen case, with some parents, but that yeah. doesn't mean that they are members of a cult because of the way they choose to follow its doctrine as well. Because some people, Absolutely. their church doesn't tell them to do that, but they choose to but do it of do their it own anyway. volition. And yeah. like we talked to B&T from the... Uh, the I used to be a teenage fundamentalist um, podcast, and you know, uh, forget which one it was now. B or T said they um, they were in certain evangelical groups that he would definitely describe them as cults, and then others that weren't. So, yeah. um, I think you know, as as Jill said, it's just too broad a brush, really. So it's, um, uh, it's a matter of semantics. <laughs> um, yeah, always difficult, isn't it? That yeah, um, but and important the, conversation. It is. I think we just need to keep um, pushing back against this narrative, though, that, you know, well, all religions are cults, aren't they? Well, no, they're not, because there are some specific things that cults do that we're worried about, you know. Um, Sure, we can have another conversation about whether religion's a good idea or not, but this is a priority, because there's there's bad behaviour here. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I just wanted to say is um, I had an email from 
uh, former guest, again, Janja Lalic. Um, and Janja Lalic has set up a a really exciting project, actually. Um, yeah, so Janja and two of her colleagues, Beth Matanar and Sally Martin, have set up a website called Take Back Your Life Recovery. So obviously Take Back Your Life is one of Janja Lalic's books. And they've essentially created a uh, a set of courses for professionals, mental health professionals, for people who are interested in cults and high demand groups, coercive, coercive groups. Um, and there's a number of different courses. Let's have a look at some of them. Uh, yeah, so she, she describes them as psychoeducational courses. So this um, sort of relates to what Julie Jenkinson was talking about, that, you know, not understanding the uh, the mechanisms that cults use is really, really important. So she's got a number of courses here. They have a number of courses. Foundations of Recovery, Fundamentals of Healthy Relationships, Forgiveness of Self, Narcissism Exposed, Sally's Toolbox, Community Discussion Groups, and so on so um yeah it's something i'm gonna definitely have a look at for next year i I might sign up to one of these um really exciting really interesting and um yeah well worth an investigation i will put the uh the link on the show notes i mean it's quite a nice easy website it's tbylr take back your life r for recovery.com so tbylr.com but i'll put the link on anyway you can check it out so i promised Janja lalich i would i would uh, do that so i'm very very happy to do that um mm-hmm. i cheekily said why don't you come on the uh, the podcast and um, and tell us about it or get one of your colleagues to do that she hasn't replied yet <laughs> we'll see then <laughs> so uh, anyway it'd be nice to get them back so uh, yeah good yeah that's the end of tweet of the week Of the week, tweet 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 of the week. Right, okay, very good. So um yeah, that's it then, Celine. That's the end yeah. of twenty twenty one. It was was it as good as twenty twenty? <laughs> it was it almost was... as bad wasn't it let's hope 2022 can be well better. 2021 was less of a roller coaster in that it started as uh, we knew where it was going i suppose yeah. 2020 started with hope and joy we're like oh a new 2020 <laughs> exciting wow a new decade and then it was yeah. took a hard nosedive 2021 was already in the nosedive so at least it, things just improved from there yeah, that's true. We'll see what the next one does. Yeah, unless we don't have any particular hopes, do we? So maybe that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, keep your expectations low. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. then they can do only can't. improve. Exactly. Good. All right. Well, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. doing the podcast. That's the highlight for me of the mm-hmm. year. So thank you all our listeners for being with us on this journey. Um, although we did officially start in 2020, we were like hardly any listeners. So I'm sure all of the people listening bar one or two um, started this year. So thank you very much for being listeners and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, keep, keep listening and uh, spreading the word telling others about the podcast we'd love to get more listeners so uh, yeah see you next year bye bye what should i think about is an evil sheep production 